Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome to another episode of The Stacks. This week, we are joined again by author Nancy Rommelman, and we'll be discussing Bad Blood by John Carreyrou for The Stacks Book Club. We're launching an awesome new perk for our members of The Stacks Pack over on our Patreon page. If you're not familiar with Patreon, it's a platform where our listeners pledge monthly contributions to the show in exchange for perks and inside access. It connects you with a community of folks who also love reading and books. Our newest perk, which I'm super excited about, is a video chat book club where we'll be discussing the Stacks book club pick with the listeners. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash the stacks and any pledge of $3 or more, you're invited to our first and all of our future book club chats. When you think about it, it's $3 a month, which is less than one Starbucks drink. So if you're in a place to contribute, please join us over at patreon.com slash the stacks. And of course, here is your weekly reminder to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple podcasts, please rate and review the show. All right. I am thrilled for this week's conversation about Bad Blood by John Carreyrou. The book tells a crazy story of bad business practices and unbelievable fraud. Nancy and I discussed the book in detail. It's all current day nonfiction, and this story has been very much in the news. But if you're worried about spoilers, I would advise that you read the book first and then listen to the show. You're going to want to read this book. Trust me, it's insane. Okay, here's my conversation with Nancy Rommelman. All right. We are back this week with Nancy Rommelman, who was our guest last week. She is a journalist and an author. Her most recent book is To the Bridge. And this week, Nancy is here for the Stacks Book Club. We are talking about Bad Blood by John Carreyrou. It's the story of Theranos, which is a biotech company in Silicon Valley that was headed up by a woman named Elizabeth Holmes. And the book tells the story of this technology that they had developed to run hundreds of tests on one drop of blood. The company raised millions of dollars and as recently as 2015 was valued at $9 billion. There was a big problem though. The technology didn't work. So this book tells the story of the rise and fall of Theranos and its founder, Elizabeth Holmes. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad you're here. Oh man, this book, this book is a total, (laughs) oh man, this book. Yeah. Um, so I guess just we always start with what were your initial thoughts of the book? Well, so I review for the Wall Street Journal. Mm-hmm. And so we would get the paper at the house every day. And in 2015, John Carreyrou, though I didn't lo- notice his byline then, 
started writing some articles about Elizabeth Holm and Theranos. Now, I'd heard of Theranos, mm-hmm. not a ton, but it was supposedly they were going to, uh, you know, they do a pinprick amount of blood. And from that, they could extrapolate, you know, hundreds of different tests. And, you know, I'd read a little more about it, like, well, actually, the only thing they can test for right now is like the herpes virus. It's like, okay, so like, what's the big deal here? Well, she had gotten incredibly famous. I mean, you know, she was iconic and the black turtleneck. All she was doing like TED Talks. Jobs and TED Talks. And she was young and beautiful. And she had this, you know, this mythology. You know, she was a unicorn, as they call mm-hmm. them. Well, Carrie Rue was kind of like, huh, um, well, there might be some problems. And then he started to bang the drum. And it's the kind of journalism I love. It's just yes. like unpeeling one lie after lie. And then, of course, she's coming back and saying, well, it's just that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what they always do to innovators. They tell us we're crazy. Um, but, in fact, he had a big, big story on his hands. I heard that the book was coming out. And it was like, I had 18 other books to read. I usually order my books on Amazon. They come so fast. They're cheap. Mm-hmm. I ran out to Powell's book <laughs> the day it came out to grab it and read it in two days. First and of all, really quickly, how great is Powell's? Powell's is great. <laughs> I mean, Powell's <laughs> is literally a city of books. If it's you go amazing. to Powell's and you say to your friend, I'll see you down here in an hour, make it two hours because yeah. you're not going to be finished. That's in an one hour. of my favorite things yeah. in Portland. Yeah. Just, a, just a plug for Powell's. Yeah. This book, I, so I heard about it. I'm from the Bay Area. And so, you know, startup, biotech, all that stuff is like so in the world. Like my best friend does recruiting for tech firms in the Bay. So, she, you know, it's like kind of like in my blood, I guess, mm-hmm. at this point. No pun. I, <laughs> there you go. Perfect. <laughs> Damn, I wish I had planned that better. Um, <laughs> but I'd never heard of this. I had no idea oh, about their interesting. And I was reading... I think New York Times book review and they had an article about it like maybe the week it was coming out and it was like a picture of her and I was like what is this and my husband who's a doctor was like you don't know about Theranos like "Eh, I'm so smart and so I was like no so I read like the first line of the article and was like oh my god we have to go get this right book. now <laughs> so we went up to book soup and we <laughs> bought it and I think that like the next day I started reading it I was so excited telling everyone I was like two pages in and I was like everyone you need to read this book it's the best book ever written so it just he does he layers it really well mm-hmm. and he um introduces her and he really kind of like walks you through the way that this all happened so by the time you get to like the reveal of like the fallout you're fully there you're like in- you're with him you're invested and you also he does a very very good job of both explaining how people fell under this sorceress's spell mm-hmm. but also saying can you believe right. these people fell under these sources as a spell? Right. And that was really fascinating. And to just, we talked a little bit last week about how I did not speak with Amanda Stott-Smith. Mm-hmm. He did not speak with Elizabeth Holmes. No. But she ain't missing from this book. No. <laughs> I mean, he didn't speak with, like, anybody from Theranos who is pro-Theranos. Well, there are so few of them at right. this point. But he right? didn't talk to Sonny, the boyfriend. No. He didn't talk to like anybody on the board. He didn't really talk to anybody. Oh, I, I have to wonder uh, if how how absolutely appallingly shamefaced 
the people on the board feel. Though, you know, Rupert Murdoch, who'd what, put in $1.1 mm-hmm. billion dollars mm-hmm. or something, but then got to write it off when it turned out to yeah. be all smoke and mirrors. He came off, I mean, I don't know Rupert Murdoch. He came off kind of well, like, oh, okay, moving on. Yeah. You know? Well, and also, mm-hmm. like, she tried to go to him and be like, oh, yeah. don't let this story come out. And he was like... I'm so sorry. I'm not involved in that. He's like, I just own this newspaper. Right. Like, I don't care. Right. So you know. for readers, I mean, listeners that don't know, most of you probably do. So Rupert Murdoch owns the Wall Street Journal, and it was the Wall Street Journal that was revealing this story. And Holmes did go in, though we're getting a little ahead of yeah. ourselves, and and said not once but twice, twice. you know, please don't run this story. He's yeah. like, nah, going to leave that to the editors. Yeah. But yeah. he was like, sorry, I can't be bothered. Yeah. Um. So if you haven't read this book, we're going to spoil it kind of, but again, it's nonfiction. So kind of listen at your own risk. It's what I like to tell you for these ones, just because you can get the whole story if you, you know, basically yeah. go read some of John's articles, but just, you know, read the book also either way. Um, or listen to it. On or listen to it. I wonder if he reads it. I don't think he does. He doesn't. He doesn't. No. no. So he, um, like we talked about about your book, mm-hmm. he is a character in this book. Mm-hmm. And for me, the one moment in the book that didn't work was his reveal. Which part? When he was revealing himself yes. to be part of it? Yes. Or, okay. Oh, go ahead. Or. Okay. So, so, okay. So when you're a journalist and you're in a story, sometimes really scary things happen and you do have an obligation as a human being if you're reporting a story and a child's about to get hit by a car right you will pull that child right. out of danger you don't just say oh well and right. now I write about this right um but one thing at least the way I've been schooled is you can't influence the story for instance in my book I had a lot of people like can you please tell me about grandparents rights can you please tell me what this person oh. said can you please give me papers and I, I can't like I, I can't I can tell them where to get them but I can't do it mm-hmm. he he warned people in this book several people saying don't don't call that person back because they're gonna sick their lawyers on you and right. I thought wow oh. I was really surprised I get it but I, I was surprised because he was protecting he, his sources well his source well no it was like his source who he was writing about there's one particular young woman who had been with Theranos yeah. who left and he, Carrie Rue, knew that a lot of other people were being threatened with lawsuits. And I think she was afraid to be. I, yeah. I don't remember the details. Yeah. And he's like, well, no. If you, if you asked me, I don't think you should call this lawyer back. And I thought, wow, interesting yeah. to sort of influence it in that way. Right. Well, I meant, I meant protecting the sources, like protecting them from Theranos. Not so much protecting them from like their identity coming out, but he was like trying to make sure that they didn't get slapped with another, you know, non-disclosure or a lawsuit or something that would stop them from talking to I, him. That's exactly what I mean yeah. too. But what's weird is that usually you wouldn't, wouldn't do, do that, that as a journalist. But yeah. you know what? I I so you didn't think I I actually I think I would have preferred either he be in it a little more. Yes. Or or Agreed. not or not at all because the first. Like structurally, like the first two thirds of the book, he's yeah. writing like he's not there. He's not there at all. He's just yep. writing like a journalist would write right. any expose on anything. And then all of a sudden, it's like this guy knew of a journalist that he was really who would maybe write the story. And then it's like I got the phone call, to, and I was like, "Whoa, what's yeah. going on?" Like it was like so jarring that he just like I, I could see that the yeah. timing was a little. It was a little weird. Like like I said, if if we'd seen him a little earlier, yes. even if he then disappeared for seventy five pages, yeah, he, it might have been a little like a, he a was, little smoother. Yeah, that was the one thing where yeah. I, I like read it and then I just 
oftentimes my husband and I will read together in the same room, but oh. we won't talk to each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of a sudden I just start giggling. He's like, what? I'm like, the weirdest, like, surprise, here I am, like the <laughs> unveiling. Because he, it, I mean, he does become central to this whole unfolding mm -hmm. in, like, if another journalist was reporting on Theranos, he would be a character. But for him to be a character in his own work, the way that it came up, it just felt like um, it felt like kind of silly the way that he did it because it didn't didn't have the like gravitas of what he was about to do to me. Yeah, okay. I don't know. That but, was the only thing. But that yet didn't the book work. still is yes. just a triumph. Oh so, no, yeah. that was the only. Yeah. It was yeah. one page, and then as soon as he was in the book, I was like, "Great, here he is. I'm here." here. He is, right. But it was like this. Like it was like ten words. Where I was <laughs> like, "What is this? What happened?" <laughs> Which I guess if your book has ten words out of place, like yes. for one reader, Forgive. you're probably doing great. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let's talk about Elizabeth. She is the central human in this book. She is a she's just one of the great anti-heroines. Right. And she is so uh, you know, they say that the the most two most powerful types of people in the world are rich old men and young beautiful women, sure. right? So she was young, mm -hmm. beautiful, mm -hmm. uh, and she was able to cast a spell on, I mean, let's just, you know, for, for, for the listeners that don't know, her board consisted of Henry Kissinger, David, well, no, David Boyce was her attorney, so yeah. he wasn't on her board. Larry Ellison. Larry Ellison of Oracle. Rupert Murdoch put in 1.1 million. And, and I mean, she had multiple secretaries of state. She multiple. At least two. Yeah, George Schultz. Yes. Who, who, okay, was not only secretary of state, but he's an economist and used to be secretary of the treasurer, treasury. <laughs> He was so in for her and her, what she was going to do, and we'll, we'll address that in a second, that he turned against his own grandson who worked on Theranos, who was a whistleblower, who was saying, granddad, it's all smoke and mirrors. Right. There's nothing here. Plus, she is absolutely vindictive and horrible. And no, he was on her side. Yeah. Now, let's, now, let's unpack this a little. And your husband's a doctor mm -hmm. and you're from this world. So someone comes and tells you, I have technology that is not going to be painful, that it's going to be inexpensive to use. It is going to change the way we are able to get our health information, and I'm going to make it affordable, and I'm going to bring it to the people. This sounds like a beautiful thing, doesn't it? It sounds the most amazing thing. Right. Okay. It's not that her technology like kind of failed as the trials went on. It never worked. Never worked. It never worked. And all of the things that they were proposing and all of the things that they had that they said were going on were not going on. Right. I mean, there truly was nothing here. Right. It was, it's an unbelievable scam. Right. And she, and she was able to have it work for like six years. Mm -hmm. years like it wasn't mm -hmm. like oh i have this idea and then two years later like oh this doesn't work moving on no like she was able to court major companies like walgreens and safeway and she was having meetings with the u.s military mm -hmm. to have this on the front lines during wartime or like mm -hmm. people who are active actively in combat like it wasn't just i have this idea can we make this work and it didn't. It was like, I'm actually using this technology that doesn't work on human beings. That's right. And that takes a special sort of sociopath, okay, yeah. to not care. And, and, and Carrie Rue, you know, puts this out. There were people who were told, 
you have something horrible going on. You've got to go right now because our test, because they were testing people's blood. Okay, right. Walgreens invested, what, $225 million? Yeah. They redid all their stores in order to have these blood testing centers. Okay, let's talk due diligence for a second. I mean, right. who in the world would do this unless you had fallen under some sort of spell? Right. And they, what did they have, FOMO? They were afraid that if they had didn't yeah. do it, then, you know, Savon was going to yeah. do it. So they didn't want to miss out. But, I mean, th there was nothing there. Right. And uh, It really makes you wonder, consumer protection, like, who is supposed to be doing that work? Like, who's supposed to be doing the due diligence when you roll out something out of Walgreens or a Safeway, like who job is that? Well, I would think if I owned the company, I'm going to hire people to make sure that this is being tested. Right. And I think I can't really remember who it was, if it was the FDA or who was coming in to try to inspect her labs. And they always had reasons why you yeah. couldn't do it. Um, but, you know, it, she started I mean, the, the, the Elizabeth Holmes phenomena is all about marketing. You know, she sure. she she dressed like Steve Jobs and she. She talked in this really artificially deep voice. So she was sort of like super feminine in one way, but also fighting against that because, you know, I'd never use my feminine wiles to get right. ahead. But she was exactly doing this. Right. Um, it started with marketing and everybody bought into that marketing, right. like a Walgreens, like this board. Right. Um, and also part of her origin story was that like Steve Jobs, she was a Stanford dropout. Right. Right. Like that there's this this idea that actually being educated or like finishing your education is somehow a negative, right? Or, or like it's not sexy or it's not, you're not special if you graduate from Stanford. You're only special if you start a company and you didn't, like you got in, but you didn't do it. Well, Silicon Valley, again, more marketing. Right. They like a big, a big splashy story. Sure. And she was young and, and it was like, wow. She she's was 19, I think, when they when started. When she started and she's going to change the world. Right. Uh, and she understood that deeply. And, and I believe, just from my reading about her, deeply and completely unrepentant. Right. Absolutely. Right. So this is a, here's a pitch to your listeners. I am looking for the next Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> story to write because this kind of character is just amazing. You want an anti-hero, sociopath a, woman. Yes. yes. Anybody have any yeah. leads? Let me know. So tell us about your aunt. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure you've got one in your family. Um yeah, and I mean, also, the other thing is, like, she was able to not just convince these, these like, rich and powerful men on her board to buy into what she was doing, but also she was, like, going to their Thanksgiving. Like, they were – she was, like, family to these people. But they bought in so deeply. Well, I think that's very deliberate, though, right? You, you right. continue to embed yourself, and so they feel somewhat paternal toward her, sure. and then they can show her off. And it's like, you know – why do you read a certain book because people tell you to, or you go to a certain dentist because people tell you right. to? I mean, the, a lot of these people. What is it on the on the Stanford campus? It's the Hoover Institution. Like, I can't. Yeah, the Hoover Institution. So these people knew each other. So right. they just kept like pushing her forth, and she was their little superstar. Mm -hmm. Right, because you wanted. They wanted to feel like they had invented this person. They that were. They had raised up. They had found the jewel. They, and they were going to support her in order to bring this incredible technology to the rest of us. And it was going to be like, a lot of these guys are like in their 80s, right? Mm -hmm. It was going to be one final grand thing that in they did legacy. for the country, right, in right. their legacy. Right. And also, I mean, some of them are, are known for not necessarily the greatest things, right? Like Kissinger, he's got uh, a yeah, whole mix. Not exactly a terrific 
God. Right. No. And so Awful. this Awful. idea of like, I could help save, you know, Zika babies from being born with this technology, like that I, on my way out the door, I could have this like, you know, really great moment. Where, I, where I'm yet again, you know, venerated. Yes. I'm Blech. the hero. Yeah. It, uh, it, there's so much like in that and, and in, you know, who she is and, and how they were able to latch on to her energy and mar- like you said, marketing and aura, that it's just like terrifying. But let's talk a little bit because this would be my wheelhouse okay. is how badly journalism fell down on this story sure. because Carrie Rue started reporting, or I don't know when he started reporting, but he started publishing about her in 2015. She'd already been on the scene for four or five years. She'd been on the cover of Forbes and she'd right. been named at the, you know, top blah, blah. And she, everybody failed. Okay. Right. I understand if you're a journalist and you're writing a profile of Elizabeth Holmes, you don't need to know everything about mm-hmm. blood mm-hmm. testing. Mm-hmm. But you need to check yourself and you cannot take the word of some marketing flack inside that this is what happens. Right. And they did. And they, they, that was a giant failure on the part of journalism. And yeah, bad, bad, bad. Even the people like inside the, well, cause how she kind of pulled it off was that the culture there was just toxic. But part of it was that the engineering department was separated from the sales department was separated from the technology department. And so nobody quite knew what did and didn't work fully. Like you could sense like, Oh, you know, I know this can't really do that thing that they're saying it's doing, but you're in engineering and you're not in the labs department. So you're not actually seeing the results. Like, so she had divided everything. And I'm sure if you're an outside person, if the people inside couldn't figure it out, I mean, I think a lot of them did figure it out, though. Right. But yeah, divide and conquer, right. right? I mean, one scene in the book where, but you're absolutely right. So let's say the people that are testing the blood, it's not really working. But, you know, there's also the little, whatever they call that little box where they did the, the testing. The mini lab. The mini lab. So maybe like, maybe when you get it in the mini lab, it will work better. This mini lab was literally something like fifth graders. Yeah, it was like a science project. Would have done better. <laughs> I mean, it was so clanky right. and it didn't work at all right now the people that were building the boxes knew it didn't work but then they're maybe like well maybe maybe we don't need it to be so right. slick and maybe they didn't understand that the, the bio, biology part of it like right. they were the engineers but they might not have understood like the medical science and she was keeping the people who did separate right, right. like because like a doctor might not know how to build a fifth grader's box right whatever the thing at the mini but lab let's talk about how how people how blinded they were by mythology she right. would go to give a demonstration of the mini lab to like, you know, 150 mucky mucks right. or whatever to raise money. And it wouldn't work. Right. And then it wouldn't work again. And she's like, oh, it must be your Wi-Fi. Your Wi-Fi. I mean. Your fault. Come on. And then they're like, yes, please take my money. Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. So crazy. Well, so this is just a little anecdote from my life. Oh. So my father-in-law, he is a... He's a career biotech person. He was like part of the marketing and research development team of Aleve. Like he's like part of the reason Aleve is lovely in that shape. Yeah. Who doesn't? Um, (laughs) He like did, you know, apparently women said that the color and the shape were very soothing for their cramps because it was supposed to be a period. Mm -hmm. Anyways. So he's like been, you know, Eli Lilly, like a long, long time. And she went to him and said, will you be on my board? And he was like, I'm interested how does it work? And she's like, Oh, you know, I can't tell you confidential. And he was like, okay, well, I can't be on your board, 
um, if I don't know how it works. And she was like, oh, okay. And had him back again and tried again. And he was like, you know, I can't. And he said that she understood a lot of the science, but not, not quite everything. Like that there was something missing and he was like, well, I can't be on your board. And so he spent the last like six years feeling worried that he missed out. And so FOMO, when this right? came, when this book came out, he was like, yes, <laughs> in your face, which is like hilarious. But it's crazy that, because they talk about it in the book, like there's nobody on her board who was in medicine or biotech. No. It was all engineering and then like just like rich dudes. Right. Statesmen and politicians. Right, yeah. right. But like. That was a red flag. When you start thinking back on all the red flags, you're like, that's a red flag. So did your did your father-in-law say anything about what her personality was like? I, no. Okay. Not that I know of. Find I'm, out for next I time. I will find yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, he said that she was very, like, she was, like, seemed very knowledgeable and, like, she, it was a good present. Yeah. She probably had that spiel down. Like, yeah. That pattern, I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. Um, but I, it's. It's just crazy. It's it's you know, <laughs> like I'm at loss for words I, about her. Well, I was listening. I listened to a little podcast, a radio lab about Bernie mm. Madoff the other day, and everybody mm. knows the Bernie Madoff mm-hmm. story. And I thought, you know, in ways that she's even worse than mm-hmm. Bernie Madoff because Bernie Madoff sort of got you know lost in his own hubris, right? But at least what he was, it was an old fashioned Ponzi scheme right. where he was actually you know in a business that was a business you know he was selling he was investing she had nothing she was doing absolutely nothing she wasn't even okay she wasn't even trying to make her 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 concept work right well and okay do you feel like you understand why they were even using their own technology at all because i don't get that they knew their technology didn't work and they were using other commercial blood testing because so they said it only was a blood prick but then they were still taking full vials of blood blood. right and then they were testing it on other already approved like right because theirs didn't work right but they were still also testing some things on their devices and getting the bad results and it just seems like if you're gonna pull this like if you're gonna fake it why not just get the right results i don't think that they thought this through very well plus yeah. her boyfriend was just a big right. blow hard and and nobody knew it was her boyfriend yeah. that was also crazy uh, he was so gross he too. was so gross so gross and like abusive like he was like intimidating people and- but you know so was she. You know, I've read, right. a, I read a couple, like, different think pieces, like, mm-hmm. by Virginia Heffernan and some other, like, about her and mm-hmm. this, what she was. And, you know, some people, or I don't know, some people, like, oh, what was her boyfriend, what was his name? Sonny. Sonny. Sonny something. something. Uh, Balwani, <laughs> yeah. maybe. Um, it's like, well, you know, uh, he was just using her. It's like, no, no, she was completely using him. I mean, right. he had money. He had a track record, though he was a blowhard. Right. And she was, I think she just, she had no plan except to continually want herself to be seen as powerful and to just betray and humiliate people. Right. Right. Do you think that the coverage that she gets, even now, even after everything's starting to come to light or has come to light, I mean, she's been indicted, all this stuff. Do you think even now that impulse to like want to protect her and villainize Sunny is, do you think that comes from like sexism? Do you think that that comes like, cause she is this pretty, pretty young girl. I mean, she's a woman now she's in her 30s. Like yeah. she's not a little girl. I shouldn't yeah. say that she's a, like a pretty woman. And even at the end of this book, John Kerry, who kind of like brought, kind of brought up that other people 
were saying, you know, Sunny was the ringleader, this and that, even though we all know it was her. And she was like that even as a kid. Like, I wonder where that impulse to protect her comes from. I don't know. You, you blame it on somebody else, you know, sure. or maybe to feminism, reverse feminism. I don't know. They want to see her as maybe not being a villain. She's the villain. Right. She okay. is the villain. She's completely the villain. And I will bet you she will try to have some sort of like comeback tour. I've been misunderstood and she will use any any platform that people want to give her to feel like she was the victim to try and say, no, look, I know, but it was market forces or it was this or it was sunny. And I'm really, she, I wouldn't believe her for a second. No. She, so I wrote about um, Laura Albert, who was, you know, JT Leroy, the writer, but it was really this woman, Laura Albert. And she continues to this day, anybody that wanted, wants to give her an out, she'll grab onto it. Oh yeah, I was really this. Oh yeah, I was really this. Just right. to continue to be the center of attention. I don't think Elizabeth Holmes is going to go quietly into any dark night. No. But what's our obsession, or not ours, you and I, but like this obsession with trying to like redeem her. I'm like, what? Are, don't yeah. we want to condemn her first? Don't we want to like really dive in and just ruin her life before we give her come back to her? Absolutely. <laughs> but I, I also think it will be, I mean, I have written about so many sociopaths at this mm -hmm. point. Uh, I would I be fascinated to see what she, what her second act is going to yeah, be. Yeah, sure. Yeah, and well, who, who's going to buy into it? Right, and what it's going to be like, it's going to be like Catch Me If You Can, you know? Mm -hmm. The bank robber, the guy who writes the forged checks, become works for the FBI and, like, mm -hmm. finds out other fraud. She's going to lead the anti-fraud department. I, I don't think a, a someone like a Holmes is able to actually, you know, come around and do something So you think she'll beneficial. have, like, another business? It, it's going to be something else that will fail. Okay. I, or unless I, you know, maybe you can fool all the people all the time yeah. for a while. Some people can. Right. Uh, I will kind of be fascinated to see what she does next. Is she going to prison? I think, I think she's up. She's yeah. facing time. So yeah. I don't know what yeah. will happen. Yeah. I mean, also the thing is like she was presenting something that how could you not want it to be true? Right. But the, of course, you right. know, she wasn't selling like, you know, lime jello. Like right. who cares? She was right. selling something that was going to in some ways make the world a much, much better place. Right. But isn't that what cult leaders do too? Sure. Right? Well, it kind of was. Right. But you can, look, you can be part of the change. Right. You can be part of the change. Now, that will include me ritually humiliating you mm -hmm. and having you lose hundreds of millions of dollars, but you're part of the change. You're part of something bigger. Yeah. Right. Well, and I mean, being part of something is so appealing, especially if you're, you feel like you're being told you could cure you know, you could prevent people from getting stage four cancer because you could stop it at stage one. You know, like it's like it's not just being part of like this tiny thing. It's being part of like changing the whole wide world. I mean, this if this technology had worked. Unbelievable. You know what? If this had not technology had worked, it would have been great. But do we need this fancy face in front of it? Just no. do your work. Right. Just do right. the work and bring it like, you know, you have people that create, you know, penicillin sure. or something like did we need him giving ted talks no 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 all of our children are safer right you know it's right like, this was cult of personality sure and that's all it was right right and there was no technology to back it up no it's just no it is it's, it's stunning it's, <laughs> it's stunning. every time i start to think about it my like mind is just like <sighs> bend, what's bend. going on like how yeah. is this possible taking care of your health isn't always easy but it should be at least simple that's why for the last 
three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day, and it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. So how John Kerryrew gets the information is he has some like whistleblowery. Mm-hmm. Uh, Schultz's grandson mm-hmm. is like the main one, the first man, one. He that kid really had to go the distance, man. I mean, his family, his grandfather was like, "Hey, come over and have dinner. Like, it'll just be us for dinner." And then from upstairs, come down the lawyers. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Yo!" Mm-hmm. And even he was like, "I really want to believe you, but I think you're wrong." Like to his like, what does the grandson have to gain by this being a failure? Right, like. I feel like right. that's always a question is like, what do you have to gain? You know, who has what to, who has the most to gain from this? Like when a story leaks, you know, it's like, oh, right. well, who's leaking this? Cause that person has the most to gain. It's like, why would he make up that the technology didn't work? He would stand so much more to gain if it did work. Right. And his grandfather was part of the company. Right. Um, but have you had an experience like as a journalist, having whistleblowers come to you and like, A, what's that like? And then B, you know, how do you protect? them and like how much pressure or not I mean not pressure how much are you trying to get them maybe to be on the record or to be to put their name on what they're telling you like how valuable is that stuff when you're reporting most people that I've spoken to over the course of a career Mm -hmm. um, have spoken to me on the record I find a story and in the course of the story I find them maybe they don't want to speak to me at first then they do and they just stay on the record and that's fine with um to the bridge 
I did have people who wanted to speak with me, but for various reasons, because they didn't want other people in the book to know. Mm -hmm. um, one just sort of spoke to me, not for attribution, um, and I do not name this person mm -hmm. in the book. Uh, he, he actually turned out to be quite important to leading me to some interesting things. Then there was someone I spent a great deal of time with who was frightened um, about what would happen if she were revealed. And I, I gave her a pseudonym and I, I changed. Molly. Yeah. And I, I, you know, I, without changing anything material that would matter, um, made sure that she was pretty mm -hmm. unrecognizable. Um, there's also something, there's a lot of ways you can have people obviously speak on the record. They can speak off the record. They can speak, you know, not for attribution. They can do something called deep background. I don't even know if I know exactly mm -hmm. what all of these things mean. But, you know, the one thing I do know is that you cannot betray your sources. Right. Um, they come to you. Um, you need to protect them. Uh, I've yet to really, I, I have been, uh, Laura Albert threatened to sue me mm -hmm. for writing certain things and things that people had said about her. Um, but no one ever has. No. I mean, be careful. And do you ever, like, can you ever convince someone who doesn't want to be on the record or someone who doesn't want their name? Can you ever, can, have you ever convinced someone to, like, Almost everyone. Out. Oh, yeah. Almost everyone. Most people come to you being like, I don't want. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to talk about this, and I don't really want you to name me. And then in the talking, like, okay, okay, okay. The one thing that they can't do, which I found out, which is pretty lucky for us, is like you can't, if you come and talk to me, and we have an interview, and I'm writing about you, you can't come back later oh. and say, oh, I don't want to be on the record. It's like, mm, no. Does that happen a lot? I haven't had it happen, but I've, I've been afraid it's going to happen. Sure. And then I kind of. I don't remember where I learned that, but I was like, oh, cool. <laughs> Are you afraid that it's going to happen because you're like, they're giving you information that you're like, oh my God, yes, jackpot? Or just like, you just don't, like, is the imp when, when you worry about someone coming back and wanting to renege on it, is it because? Well, people, people will. Like, they're mm -hmm. like, oh, I, you know, I don't know if we should really talk about that. But usually when that happens, then they want to talk more. More about so, it. So, okay. you know. That's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, um, do you, have you found that while, while working as I'm specifically about to the bridge, but also just in general that people are excited to talk to you once they sit down? Uh, <laughs> no, I mean, I guess excited Sometimes. makes it sound like joyful, but like that they're enthusiastic about divulging information. Interesting. Sometimes, but not usually. Usually it starts with um, sometimes they're angry at me. Mm. They're angry just that I'm around, but they've got stuff that's gnawing at them and they mm. want to talk about it. They'll, they'll challenge me sometimes mm. at the beginning. Others just start really slow and sad, and then we pick up steam. Others just... Right. I, I, can, I don't think I had one interview in this book that ran under five hours. Oh, wow. Because one, which is a lot of taping. Um, once people started talking, they just, they just couldn't stop. Right. Yeah. And if you're checking out your source, so someone comes to you yep. and they tell you, they talk to you for five hours, then do you go back and like listen to everything and like write a list of all the things you have to check out? Sort of. Um, I'll transcribe it, and then I'll be the bane of every writer's existence, by the way, is transcribing. But you have to do it, mm -hmm. number one. Number two, it makes you start to look at certain things or things I need to follow up. And people have terrible memories. Right. I mean terrible. Right. And so there are certain things you – like I had someone in the book, he's like, oh, yeah, you know, I've known Jason for like 14 years. It's like, 
11. Like I, it's, it couldn't have right. been because I know that they didn't right. meet at that right. point. So you, you do your best. Um, you know, if someone's lying to you, you try to, you can include the lie. Right. As long as he's telling you the lie and you're putting it in some sort of context. Right. Um, you do have to kind of check it out because right. also people will also talk to you wanting you to carry their water or like, let's say Joe hates Mary. So mm-hmm. I interviewed Joe and Joe tells me what I, you know, see you next Tuesday. Mary right. is on this and that. He wants that printed. Yeah. yeah. Well, sorry, dude. If that's right. not part of the story, it's not getting printed. Right. They, okay. w- they want to use you for, to bring their message for it. Right. So you got to be a little careful about that. Because in bad blood, I mean, I obviously there was a lot of fact checking that had to oh, happen yeah. because there was so, so much threat of lawyering against the wall street journal and against John yep. Kerry specifically. Have you ever been in a situation like that where you've had to like sit down with all the editors and all the people oh. and like line by line? So I was with the LA weekly for a long, long time and they did pretty extensive fact checking. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yes, I've done that before, but since I spent so long on this book and I've been a journalist for 20 years, I was fact checking all along. And then my publisher, bless them, Little A, which is an imprint of Amazon, uh, they had an unbelievable fact-checking department, which is rarer and rarer in publishing because there's just not that kind of money or human power, but they have it. And um, they came back, they checked 2,100 facts and came back with 935 questions, um, all of which I had to substantiate Mm -hmm. and was able to. Mm -hmm. I also learned I have numbers dyslexia during the fact-checking department, so thank you for saving (laughs) my ass on that. Um, And I only had a couple of things wrong, but you do have to be super careful, and I learned there's certain things you have to be really careful about. For instance, and this is interesting when we're talking about bad blood, you have to be very careful when talking about people's health issues. Uh For instance, um, Jason Smith, Amanda's ex-husband, remarried, and he he married someone um, who had some health issues. Now, I know what they are, Mm -hmm. but you know what? I did not I did not name them because right. that gets you in weird hot water uh, in terms of, you know, libel right. and stuff. So uh, you have to just be careful. Right. But you learn that stuff. Yeah. You know? And when you're sitting in the meetings with the fact checking and everything, are you just like or like not even when you're in the meetings afterwards when you've gone through everything and then you publish whatever it is, the book or the article, are you just like waiting for someone for the email that's like, you bitch, oh. this is the, like, are you just oh, waiting? I, I've gotten those. Sure. No. Um, uh, well, first of all, we just did it uh, online and you just do it in this like, you know, oh, different okay. sort of review mode and adding things in, in the uh, in the alleys and all that. Um, they did save me from two things. They weren't terrible things. I had the day Trinity got out of the hospital wrong mm-hmm. and like one other thing. So that was great. And I, I, gave them a huge thank you in the book because they really were amazingly thorough. Right. Um, yes, you do. Because here's the thing, even though I don't think there's anything here that we got wrong, that anybody could sue us for anything, right. but people don't sue because you got something wrong. They sue because they're angry. That you got it right. They, right. Yeah. <laughs> that you exposed them. Uh, I couldn't, you said it much yeah. better than I did. Yes. They, they, and they don't have another Avenue. Sure. So they will bring those. Now I haven't had that happen. Right. Knock, knock on wood. Hey, where's that wood? Right here. <laughs> um, but um, I have gotten hate mail for sure, um, sure. from uh, friends of Jason Smith's family. And okay. they're just absolutely angry. And I wonder if, I mean, obviously right now in the current American climate, there is a lot of anti-journalism vitriol mm-hmm. going on. And I wonder if Bad Blood and your book and anything, I guess, that's coming out since January 20th, 2017, but even a little bit before that, if um, people are pushing back harder because there's a distrust 
of journalism or this idea of fake news or that you can push back on facts because apparently facts don't actually matter? Like if you've experienced? I, I don't know. I read uh, something yesterday. Like, is it the case that more people believe um, that, you know, they more people distrust journalism now or is it just that it's part more part of the conversation? Right. And it's and it's and it's always been there. And, it, you know, we just feel, you know, emboldened now to right. talk about it more. Um, I was told by in the hate email that, you know, I'd made everything up. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was getting off a plane last year and we were bunched up in the front by the pilot and he was standing there with a passenger and they were like laughing. Ha ha. Fake news. Ha ha. And I said, hey, so let me ask you a question to the pilot. I'm like, you know what? When you land the plane safely every day, what about as we all like filed out, if we all looked at you and said, hey, fake pilot. Or like autopilot. Good like, job. Dude, like I, I don't. I remember reading a J.R. Moinger. He had a memoir years ago, the name of which is escaping me. I'll find it. I'll put it in the show And notes. He, he was fired by the New York Times, where he had not been there very long at all, for getting the name of someone wrong. Mm. Okay, people don't understand. Like, you can't make stuff up if you're writing right. for any sort of legitimate right. outlet. Like, wh- and why would you do that? Sure. Why is that? This is not interesting for a journalist. I mean, fabulists. Oh, God, that's a whole other conversation we can have about fabulists. But no, most journalists really want to get it right. Want to get it right. Right. <laughs> that's our job. Well, right. Your whole job is to report yeah. the truth or the facts yeah. or some combination of yeah. the two things. Well, but it's just, I, I'm thinking about your book and like also thinking about Bad Blood and talking about how, you know, you think Elizabeth's going to have the second act and she's going to come out and say, well, this is because of this and this is because of that. And it does remind me of our current president and his spokeswoman. And how it can be a factual thing and it can be explained away. And it's almost like you're watching it or you're reading it and you're like, did I, did I read that right? Because how are you telling me that didn't happen? And that makes your job harder. Yes, it makes your job harder. But you just do your job. You, you just know do what? Your job. Like, right, for instance, course. yesterday was the day that, you know, 300 newspapers ran like, you know, we are not fake news right. editorials. And I was like, just do, just, just do sure. the work. Like, right. we know this already. Right. Let's just do the work. You know, Holmes is interesting. I I do wonder for her next act. I mean, she is a vituperative character. She, you know, enjoyed the ritual humiliation of people. She wanted to see them crushed and brought down and lawsuits. Mm -hmm. Will she come out at, you know, fighting in that way, you know, Trumpian style and blaming everyone? Or is she going to, like, create something a little softer? Sure. New voice. here's Here's the new Elizabeth. And now I really do understand. And now we will start our next cult journey. Right. It'll be interesting. But I it, hope it, it's the second. That'll be more yeah, entertaining a little, for a little, me. A little more entertaining. Yeah, she's already yeah, done yeah. the first one. Yeah, yeah. She'll be all in like peasant <laughs> gowns and like very boho chic, very loose, flowy, no bra, just out in the world. <laughs> Hair down. My gosh, I can't wait. And she'll have like a line of like home furnishings. Oh my like God. So wellness, many candles. Wellness products. Right? Crystals. Yeah. Everything. I can't wait. I can't wait. Like prayer beads. It's going to be beautiful. I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to dive into I mean we talked we touched on it briefly I do just want to reiterate how terrifying one of the things that this book brings out which is that they were using this technology on people yeah like yeah fully on humans who were getting tests back you know people who are on blood thinners who were getting tests back about some part of their blood that was going to change the amount of the thinner that they were or weren't using right which would have you know they would have bled out or they wouldn't have not been able to clot or, or vice versa or whatever it was like that's no, this takes a special kind of, I don't know if it's solipsism or narcissism or wherever you want to put her on the spectrum, right. to just to not care about that right. at all. I mean, I can understand. Like I said, Bernie Madoff, 
he was ripping people off and yeah, he was destroying people's lives. But, you know, he wasn't just like, well, yeah. And like, you're going to get this test and like be dead. Like it, it, right. no conscience at no, all. Right. None. It's almost like she might as well have just been dealing with money. Like she didn't understand or refused to look at, I won't say that she didn't understand it because that lets her off the hook, but refused to fully deal with the repercussions of rolling this out. No, she, and she needed the, the altruistic humanitarian hit. I mean, right. for what that, that was what made her so super shiny, right? Right. right. To people, she needed that part too. It right. wasn't just the money. Right. I don't even think, I mean, I know she was rich and I'm sure she liked being named, you know, one of the richest women right. in the world or something. But I don't think that was her, just her power grab. Sure. I, I mean, think he kind of sets it up like that, though, in the beginning, because he says, like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And she says, like, rich and famous or, like, well, a billionaire or something. Yeah. She, and she wanted to be venerated. Right. And that's, that's, yeah. a, that's a heavy drug, baby. Sure. But just, like, at the cost of everyone else. Right. At the cost of everyone else. Right. Not, like, because sometimes you find people who are sociopaths who are at the cost of, you know, those that are less desirable, right? Like, when we talk about... Um, Sheila from the did you, did you see Wild Wild Country? Uh, shockingly, I have not, uh, and I live there, and you, I've written about Bob. Written about, yeah. I've written about him, but I haven't seen it yet. Well, you know, they brought in like the homeless people. Oh, right? I know, and I know I, who Sheila was. Yeah, sure, yeah, and like that to me makes more sense that like they would bring in undesirables and like use them. But in this case, it was like she was willing to use and hurt anybody. Like it didn't even matter. Right. They didn't even have a face. Right. You know, babies, yeah, whatever. It did just, it was just blood. It was just blood. And like also <laughs> pricking all of her employees, making them like they, these people had like fingers that wouldn't bleed anymore, basically, because they were pricked out from testing and testing. Like it just, the manipulation and like the using of other people is unprecedented you, in this book. Readers, you should, you should check out this book because yeah. if you want to just like read with your mouth open yeah. of what, she was capable of and also what people fell for right. it's interesting you said at the beginning we have not heard from these board members no why that's a, carrie rue i hope you're on that story yeah. now egg yeah. on the face big time right yeah. yeah i mean i think you've got to feel just mortified that you fell for this you know what though people who do it's like someone that goes from a bhagwan rajneesh to a bikram yoga sure. to a whatever sometimes they're just Searching for the next the next thing, thing. right? So who knows? And yeah. and like I said, a lot of these guys are pretty old dudes. They might just be like, "Ugh, leave me alone. Right. I'm done." Well, and I think it's also like maybe they can justify, like you can. I think sometimes when it comes to money, you can say that that's the reason why you support or don't support something, even though maybe personally it's more than that. But it's easy to be like, "Oh, I thought it was a good investment. No big deal." You know, so, kind, okay, kind so of like I was not under her sway. Right, it has I nothing just, to do with that. It, they said it was supposed to be worth nine billion dollars. I wanted to be in on it. Uh, just, you know, but I don't think they really think that. But sure, they can I think, use it. But as I think a that's an easy way to get yes. out of it. It's like, yes. well, I don't have to do an interview. My yeah. accountant said we would make this much yeah. money. You know, if not, it's a write-off. That's it. It's that yeah. easy. But it's like if if you went and you did the deep dive, right? Yeah. You would say, really? Schultz, let's see. talk a little more. Because, <laughs> you know, she was at your Thanksgiving. Yeah. Like, if that's just someone that you're invested with, like, how many other companies that you invest in are you hanging out with the CEO mm -hmm. over your family? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. Scary. Mm -hmm. um, okay. The last two things I want to talk about. One is, what did you think? We always do this on the show. What sure. did you think of the title? I love, I love the it. full title is Bad Blood Secrets and Lies in a Silicon Valley Startup. 
Um, well, the subtitle's fine, yeah. but the bad blood is it's just really good. fantastic. It's really, really and good. And the cover's really good, the too. The cover's good. It's yeah. really good looking. Yeah. It's like shiny and dark and, and bloody red. And bloody. Blood red, yeah. of course, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. And then the other one, and this is, I guess, I don't know if you know this, but they are making a movie of this. Oh, yes, I do know with, uh, what's her Jennifer name? Jennifer Lawrence yeah. as her, which I'm a little nervous about because I sometimes think Jennifer Lawrence is a little heavy-handed. Okay. So I'm wondering... I, I'm. I think she could do it because I do think she does like get out of my way really well. Mm-hmm. But I am a nervous. But normally we always talk about who would we cast in the movie. So if it wasn't her, is there any like was there anyone you were picturing in your mind? Or no? No, but I actually think she's a pretty good call. Yeah, I think she's gonna. I mean, with her hair like slicked yeah. back and the bun and the turtleneck. Yeah, I think. She, I. I mean, I haven't seen a whole ton of her yeah. movies, but. She's pretty good. She's so, good. Yeah. I saw Joy and she's like over the top in Joy. But she's so good in Hunger Games, one of my favorites. She's very good in Hunger Games. Yes. And yes, I, yes, I yes. kind of feel like maybe Elizabeth Holmes has a little Katniss in her. <laughs> a little bit of just like. Yeah, but I'm Katniss gonna... is like, she's a badass on the side for justice. Yeah. Right. But right. still that, that energy of yeah. like, I'm coming. You can't tell me what to do. I'm running this show. Yeah, I as I told you, I want I'm looking for my ne- next great mm-hmm. anti heroine to write about. Sort of like a a contemporary Cersei Lannister. Is that Game of Thrones? Yeah, I Cersei Lannister is. Yeah, I'm gonna dress up as her for Halloween. Are you cute? She's so. the she's like the queen one. Yeah, she's the she and her brother and if, yeah, I, I'm like I, the only I, person in the world who doesn't watch or read those. But yeah. it's too, too much time. I need yeah. to read my. Books. I know that's that's true. <laughs> TV does cut into the reading time. That is totally for sure. Does for sure. Um, anything else that you want to say about this book besides read it, love it? Um, it was so far this year. It was my favorite nonfiction book to read, and it's literally like eating popcorn. It's just yeah. like bam it's so yeah yeah it is easy i i want to thank you for having me on oh, twice yes. and it's really been a pleasure to talk books thank with you. you nancy for being here i'm so excited nancy's my first like real author that i've ever interviewed so <laughs> i'm really excited that you're here um so i'll be back next week i won't tell you who my guest is but it's someone good um we're gonna be talking politics next week Ooh, yeah i'm, I, I, I'm obsessed <laughs> anyways i'll it's coming. Get excited. Um, Nancy, thank you so much for being here. And everyone, go get To the Bridge by Nancy Rommelman. In, I guess, four weeks, we'll be discussing it. So Great. get ready. Enjoy. Thank you so much, Nancy. And thank I'll you. see you all in the stacks. That's all for today. Thank you for listening. And thank you to our wonderful guest, Nancy Rommelman. Don't forget to check out our new video chat book club by going to patreon.com slash the stacks. Make sure you're subscribed to this show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're listening through Apple podcasts, please rate and review the show. Our graphic designer is Robin McCright and our theme music is from Tagirajish. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas, and I will see you all in the stacks. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.